थैंक यू एंड वेलकम टू आवर पॉडकास्ट माई पर्सनल लाइब्रेरी आई एम प्रज्ञा थालीकोटी अ फिल्म मेकअप बाई प्रोफेशन एंड आई एम गोइंग टू रीड एंड शेयर माई पर्सनल थाट्स ऑन सम ऑफ माई फेवरेट स्टोरीज फ्रॉम वेरियस बुक्स ऑथर्स जॉनराज एक्सेट्रा एंड अ स्मॉल डिस्क्लेम राइट्स ऑफ दिस स्टोरीज आर विद द रिस्पेक्टिव पब्लिशर्स और ऑथर्स दिस पॉडकास्ट इज प्रोड्यूस बाय पिक्सल्स अनलिमिटेड एंड नरेटेड बाई मी दैट इज प्रज्ञा थालीकोटी टूडे आई एम गोइंग टू रीड अ शॉर्ट स्टोरी रिटन बाई ओ हेनरी The Cosmopolite in a Cafe. William Sidney Porter, a better known by his pen name O Henry, was an American short story writer. He was master of surprise endings, who wrote about the life of an ordinary people in New York City. A twist of plot which turns on an ironic or coincidental circumstance is typical of O Henry's stories. Some of his works include The Gift of Maggie, The Duplicity of Hargreaves, and The Ransom of Red Chief. His legacy includes the O Henry Award, an annual prize awarded to outstanding short stories. The Cosmopolite in a Cafe. Before we start the story, it's important to understand what is cosmopolite. So cosmopolite is someone that fashions themselves as a person or citizen of the world. One that is truly at home in any location or setting. Such a person would be free from any local attachments and prejudices. So now to the story. At midnight the cafe was crowded. By some chance the little table at which I sat had escaped the eyes of incomers and two vacant chairs at it extended their arms with venal hospitality to the influx of patrons. And then a cosmopolite sat in one of them and I was glad for I had a theory that since Adam no true citizen of the world has existed. We hear of them, we see foreign labels on much luggage. but we find travelers instead of cosmopolites i invoke your consideration of the scene the marble top tables the range of leather upholstered wall seats the gay company the ladies dressed in demi state toilets speaking in an exquisite visible chorus of taste economy opulence or art the sedulous and largest loving garshans the music wisely catering to all with its rates upon the composers the melange of talk and laughter and if you will the wasburger in the tall glass cones that bend to your lips as a ripe cherry sways on its branch to the beak of robaji i was told by the sculptor from mongchang that scene was truly parisian my cosmopolite was named e rashmar coglan and he will be heard from next summer at coney island he is to establish a new attraction there he informed me offering kingly diversion and then his conversation rang along parallels of latitude and longitudes He took the great round world in his hand, so to speak, familiarly, contemptuously, and it seemed no larger than a seed of Mauritian or cherry in a table dot grapefruit. He spoke disrespectfully of the equator. He skipped from continent to continent. He derided the zones. He mopped up the high seas with his napkin. With a wave of his hand, he would speak of certain bazaar in Hyderabad. Whiff! He would have you on skis in Lapland. Zip! Now you rode the breakers with kanakas at Kalai Kahiki. Presto! He dragged you through an Arkansas post-oak swamp, let you drive for a moment on alkali plain of his Idaho ranch, then whirled you into the society of Viennese archdukes. Anon, he would be telling you of coal he acquired in Chicago lake breeze, and how old Eskimia cured in Buenos Aires with hot infusion of the chuchula weed. You would have addressed a letter to E. Rushmore Coglan, Esquire, the Earth, Solar System, the Universe. 
and have mailed it feeling confident that it would be delivered to him i was sure that i had found at last the one true cosmopolite since adam and i listened to his worldwide discourse fearful lest i should discover in it the local note of the mere globe trotter but his opinions never fluttered or drooped he was an impartial to cities countries and continents as the winds of gravitation and as e rushmore coglan prattled of his little planet i thought with a glee of great almost cosmopolite who wrote for the whole world and dedicated himself to bombay in a poem he has to say that there is pride and rivalry between the cities of the earth and that the men that breed from them they traffic up and down but cling to their cities hem as a child to the mother's gown and whenever they walk by roaring streets unknown they remember their native city most faithful foolish fond making her mere breath name their bond upon their bond and my glee was roused because i had caught mr kipling napping here i had found a man not made from dust one who had no narrow boasts of birthplace or country one who if he bragged at all would brag of his whole round globe against the martians and inhabitants of the moon expression on this subject so precipitated from e rushmore coglin by the third corner to our table while coglin was describing to me the topography along the siberian railway the orchestra glided into the medley the concluding air was dixie and as the exhilarating notes tumbled forth they were almost overpowered by the great clappings of hand from almost every table it is worth a paragraph to say that this remarkable scene can be witnessed every evening in numerous cafe in city of new york tons of brew have been consumed over theories to account for it some have conjectured hastily that all the southerners in town hie themselves to cafes at nightfall this applause of rebel air in northern city does puzzle a little but it is not insolvable the war with spain many years generous mint and watermelon crops a few long shot winners at new orleans race track and the brilliant banquets given by the indiana and kansas citizens who pose a north carolina society have made the south rather a fad in manhattan your manicure will lisp softly that her left forefinger reminds her so much of a gentleman's in richmond virginia oh certainly but many a lady has to work now the war you know when dixie was being played a dark-haired young man sprang up from somewhere with most big gorilla yell and waved frantically his soft brimmed hat then he strayed through the smoke dropped into vacant chair at our table and pulled out cigarettes the evening was at the period when reserve is thought one of us mentioned three wasburgers to the waiter the dark-haired young man acknowledged his inclusion in order by smile and a nod I hastened to ask him a question because I wanted to try out a theory I had. Would you mind telling me, I began, whether you are from the fist of E. Rushmore Coglan, banged the table, and I was jarred into silence. Excuse me, said he, but that's the question I never like to hear asked. What does it matter where a man is from? Is it fair to judge a man by his post office address? Why? I have seen Kentuckians who hated whiskey. Virginians who were descended from Pocahontas, Indians who hadn't written a novel, Mexicans who didn't wear velvet trousers with silver dollars sewed along the seams, funny Englishmen, spendthrift Yankees, cold-blooded Southerners, narrow-minded Westerners, and New Yorkers who were too busy to stop for an hour on the street to watch a one-armed grocer's clerk do up cranberries in paper bags. 
let a man be man and don't handicap him with label of any section pardon me i said but my curiosity was not altogether an idle one i know the south and when the band plays dixie i like to observe i have formed the belief that man who applauds the air with special violence and ostensible sectional loyalty is invariably a native of either syracuse new york or district between murray hill lightrim and the harlem river this this city i was about to put my opinion to the test by inquiring of the gentleman when you interrupted with your own larger theory i must confess and now the dark haired young man spoke to me and it became evident that his mind also moved along its own set of grooves i should like to be periwinkle said he mysteriously on top of the valley and sing turululu rulu this is clearly too obscure so i turned again to coglin i've been around the world 12 times said he i know an eskimo in upanavik who sends to cincinnati for his neck ties and i saw a goat herder in uruguay who won a prize in battle creek breakfast food puzzle competition i pay rent on a room in cairo egypt and another in yokohama all the year round i've got slippers waiting for me in tea house in shanghai and i don't have to tell them how to cook my eggs in rio de janeiro or seattle it's mighty little world was the use of bragging about being from north or south or the old manor house in the dale or euclid avenue cleveland or pike's peak or fairfax county virginia or hooligans flat or any place it will be better world when we quit being fools about some mildewed town or 10 acres of swampland just because we happen to be born there you seem to be genuine cosmopolite i said admiringly but it also seems that you would decry patriotism a relic of the stone age declared coglin warmly we are all brothers chinamen englishmen zulus patagonians and the people in the bend of kor river some day all this petty pride in one city or state or section or country will be wiped out and we will all be the citizens of world as we ought to be but while you're wandering in foreign lands i persisted do not your thoughts revert to some spot some dio and some narius spot interrupted er coglin flippantly the terrestrial globular planetary hunk of matter slightly flattened at the pole and known as earth is my abode i have met a good many object bound citizens of this country abroad i have seen men from chicago sit in gondola in venice on moonlight night and brag about their drainage canal i have seen a southerner on being introduced to the king of england hand that monarch without batting his eye the information that his great aunt on his mother's side was related by marriage to Perkins of Charleston a new yorker who was kidnapped for ransom by some afghanistan bandits his people sent over the money and he came back to kabul with the agent afghanistan the native said to him through an interpreter well not so slow do you think oh i don't know says he he begins to tell them about a cab driver at 6th avenue and broadway Those ideas don't suit me. I'm not tied down to anything that isn't 8000 miles in diameter. Just put me down as E Rushmore Coglin, citizen of the terrestrial sphere. My cosmopolite made a large adieu and left me, for he thought he saw someone through a chatter and smoke whom he knew. So I was left with Woodby Periwinkle, who was reduced to Wasburger without further ability to voice his aspirations to perch melodious upon the summit of a valley. I sat reflecting upon my evident cosmopolite and wondering how the poet had managed to miss him he was my discovery and i believed in him 
How was it? The men that breed from them, they traffic up and down, but cling to their cities. Hem as a child to the mother's gown. Not so, E. Rushmore Coglin, with the whole world for his. My meditations were interrupted by tremendous noise and conflict in another part of the cafe. I saw about the heads of seated patrons. E. Rushmore Coglin and a stranger to me engaged in terrific battle. They fought between tables like titans and glasses crashed and men caught their hats up and were knocked down and a brunette screamed and the blonde began to sing teasing. My cosmopolite was sustaining the pride and reputation of the earth. When the waiters closed in on both combatants with their famous flying wedge formation and bore them outside, still resisting. I called McCarthy, one of the French garçons, and asked him the cause of conflict. The man with the red tie, that was my cosmopolite, said he got hot on accounts of things said about the bum sidewalks and water supply of the place he came from by the other guy. Why? said I, bewildered. The man is a citizen of a world, a, a cosmopolite. He originally from Metawam Keek, Maine, he said, continued McCarthy, and he wouldn't stand for no-knocking the place. The phrase no-knocking the place is a slang expression, meaning no criticizing the place. The joke at the end of the story is that the cosmopolite who has spent the whole time bragging about how cosmopolitan he is meaning that he does not have preferences for one place or another, is revealed to be as parochial as anyone else when his hometown is mentioned. But when we say home is where we belong, really it means home is where we feel we belong. The concepts of home and belonging are insipid and innocent. Our home is where we long to return, when we are elsewhere in the world. In this sense, belonging is a notion invested with imaginative, romantic and nostalgic ideas. O. Henry's fascinating cosmopolite lends itself to several insightful meanings and interpretations. Especially in the times like ours, when the world is being aggressively shaped and conflicting trends of globalization and identity. Is it possible to subscribe to several identities without causing conflict, within or without? Are there such norms and values which can integrate all humanity regardless of the differential identities? I am Pranjana Tarikoti. You are listening to My Personal Library, the podcast. You can subscribe, rate and review on Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you get the podcast. To know more, please follow Pixels Unlimited on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. Thank you for your time. Keep on listening.